And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Well, hello to everyone. I want to tell you, we are sorry that we are a little bit late, but I had to wait for my <laughs> man to make it back from the kingdom of Saudi Arabia all the way flying in on his red carpet. Well, I think it was maybe Delta Airlines. Maybe it's a little different, but my man's back in Texas. He's looking good. He's spry. He's not tired at all. Look at him. Yeah. I literally just got off the flight. I, have, I haven't even been you. landed for more than an hour and a half. Yeah. So we, I rushed home for you fans, and I heard all the, I wouldn't say complaints. There was just a lot of like, hey, when's the show dropping? I'm like, hey, hey, guys, I've been in the air, kid you not, for 26 hours. <laughs> like it's been, or 26 hours of travel, but been 19 hours of actually yeah. in the air. It was 13 hours from Istanbul to, to DFW, and it was four hours from DFW to, or not DFW, sorry, uh, Riyadh to Istanbul. That's 17 hours. You know the numbers, John. Okay. Your fucking math is amazing. I just said whatever. <laughs> I just get as close as I can, I and hopefully it. people don't check it. But you, obviously, yeah. you check my numbers all I'm the time. I'm just the asshole that has to fucking uh, point it out. I'm sorry. I got a little bit I of a fat lip. What a friend. I got a little bit. What'd you do? I, I was, Camel? No, we were, we were uh, Camel bitch. riding four, uh, four-wheelers. And I rolled that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you on the sand dunes. Oh, I went, shit. damn. It was awesome. I used to do that all the time. That's a blast. We had so much fun, man. There was a group of five of us that went out. We had a blast, man. It was awesome. Uh, you just got to be very. Way better than riding a camel. Oh, yeah. The camel thing was really, they just took us up to the top of the hill, kind of around sunset, and uh, took a couple photos and came back down. That was pretty cool. Yeah. It was quick. The, the, the quads were a lot more fun to ride. I've never ridden really? a quad in sand. Oh, you're kidding. No, I've ridden them in the mountains and through the woods, and I've actually had to pull them through over tree trunks and tree trunks. Tree trunks. Tree trunks. Tree trunks. Guys, cut me some slack, man. Okay. Like, (laughs) (laughs) no, I I want it. This reminds me, honestly, I was like, I've kind of like dialed it back on the drinking, especially coming back from uh, Riyadh where there's no alcohol in the country. (laughs) So, but uh, no, I, I haven't drank since it's been so long. I had a drink on New Year's Eve, one drink, and then. Pretty much, that's been about it, man. I mean, last time I think I really drank was with. Uh, I didn't even drink at the Super Bowl when I had when See, I had people this is over. The, the problem house. was November. This is the problem you you leave me and you, and you leave yeah. your ability to to to, to do manly things. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've been drinking. Either. It's yeah. I mean, look, it was um, it was good. The experience over there was good. I had a great time. Uh, people were uh, people were really nice. Um, food was pretty good. Like it was a lot of. I, I love lamb. So a lot of restaurants had lamb and a lot of restaurants, um, you know, Amanda and Sean O'Connell and uh, Andy Shepard. We went out to dinner one night with just the four of us and they decided they wanted to eat camel. I was a hard pass on the camel thing. So, um, yeah, I've done that. I've eaten Have camel. You? Not working. Not worth it. No, I just was a little, little chewy. Really? It was chewy. She said it just tastes like pulled pork. It was like yeah, a, yeah, pool. a little chewy. It's was, it was kind of like dried out. Pork. Got it. Got it. It's a good. It's a good. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. A little chewy. No, I didn't, I, yeah. I went with the chicken. I was like, I'll just take the chicken. Yeah. It's a much better I'll idea. Take the chicken. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's funny. When I was in China for a while, I was just sitting around tables, a bunch of us, you know, we're all, we were all doing a movie out there. So we were all went out to dinner one night and I'm eating 
He's like, oh, what do you think of that? I was like, oh, that's good. He's like, what do you think about that? Oh, that's good. I was like, how about that Super Bowl? That's good. He's like, yeah, that's dog. <laughs> as soon as I got done, as soon as he told me it was dog, I was like, oh, I just said how oh, it's pretty good. He's like, oh, it's dog. I was like, yeah. All of a sudden, it just changed the way I, I thought about it. Oh, yeah. So I just didn't eat the rest of it the rest of the time. Same thing. I knew I'd feel the same way about the camel. So I was like, forget it. Forget it. You know? I mean, I'm pretty easy when it comes to, to, to eating stuff, you know, but it's, I don't know, just certain animals. I, I don't know like, when you're, but when you're around camels and you see how they act, you go, yeah, I'll eat you. <laughs> just, they are a little ornery. Oh, a lot man, of grunting. Super ornery. A lot of grunting. A lot of, they spit, yeah. they bite. I, I, I got a couple of good pictures with the camel. I got some good photos yeah. with the, uh, out there in the sand dunes on the quad and then, you know, hanging out. It was good. We had a good time. Yeah. It was a good time. I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, it was definitely a different experience. It's a long travel. Yes, it is. It is a long travel. I was supposed to meet with uh, Habib and Islam. They were in town for just one day. They literally flew in like that morning. I was supposed to meet them for lunch. Um, but our fighter meetings for the event were a fucking disaster. Um, it just They just didn't run, they didn't run smooth. Um, there's reasons why you have people that... Tell the fighters where they go, when they're supposed to be there, and then walk them into the fighter meetings. Um, yeah, it was that was the, it was a disaster. It, it should have been well a lot more organized and just we were we were sitting inside the room waiting for fighters to walk in, and meanwhile, fighter four fighters are sitting on the outside, on the other side of the wall, waiting for them waiting for someone to tell them to come in. So for an hour and whatever minutes we were sitting there just by ourselves after we did one interview with one of the fighters i think they thought someone was going to come tell them to go in but they didn't so we were out there we, so the fighter meetings took went normally take about three hours took almost five yeah nice no not no, good not nice john <laughs> um uh, but good. you know it was great luckily i was not there to have to partake in that <laughs> It was, it was, you know, what was nice though, I got to be honest, was it was great to see all the Bellator guys. It was great to see um, some of the PFL fighters that I've known, but I haven't seen in a long time, you know, and uh, it's, it was good. It was good to be around, you know, the fighters again. I, I just, I just enjoy being around them. My relationship with sure. a lot of these guys is, is, you know, not what you guys see here on this, on this show or how we, John and I have fun back and forth. You know, if you guys could get an opportunity to hang around with us, you guys would see a different side of between John and I, we like to have fun on here and we do have a blast, but, um, you know, it's just different when you're around people that you've kind of been around and that are part of the business. Um, it's, it's fun. It's fun. It's more interactive. It's more real serious talk about the sport itself, management, trainers, coaches, gyms, promotions, you know, money. <laughs> so it just, you know, a lot of fighters, <clears throat> they have an opportunity to kind of talk to us and spill their guts to stuff. And then sometimes we just talk, you know, talk shop back and forth. So it was good yeah. to see them again, you know? Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it was fun. I had a good time. There's some things that we got to, you know, obviously work out and get some kinks worked out, uh, you know, in terms of how big the promotion is now and, and uh, get that type of stuff situated. So hopefully it all works out. We'll see. Anyways, um, I like your hat, buddy. Element. Thank you very much. Element. Element. Very nice. Hey, don't get, well, get a little salty. Get a little salty. You're going to get a little salty. Yes. Because they're going to tell you that salt's good for you. And they've got nice drinks that you can have. Yep. Even the, the best part, like they even have hot drinks. Yes. Hot chocolate, things like mm -hmm. that, that are all 
electrolytes induced and with salt and everything. So yeah, I I, I use their little um <clears throat> their little packets with my coffee in the morning. And I've been using them for a while. So um, I reached out to them. I was like, hey, you know, can I, if you guys don't mind me asking, can I have you guys send me over a packet of this and this and this? And and they were like, yeah. And then um, just luckily, by coincidence, uh, one of the people that work on their staff actually listens to our show. And uh, he's like, look, I'd love to send you guys over some more, some more stuff. And I was like, oh, thanks. So kind of all worked out. And he did. And he did, I guess you. And did Dave, Dave, did you get yours too as well? Yeah, I got um, I got my box as well. Good, good. I'm happy. What did you, you think of uh, it? Uh, re- really good. Uh, the the salt, like you almost think when you read it, and it's like it's really promoting this idea of salt. Uh, I also watched their story on on YouTube as well. Mm-hmm. They tell the story about how they were trying to like replace the sugar, and <clears throat> and so that was kind of cool to hear the backstory around the salt because I was kind of apprehensive in the beginning, yeah. but the taste is really good. Mm-hmm um and it's super refreshing after i did a i, I did a video that i'll post at some point on ig yeah. but i drank some before i ran the other day i normally don't drink or eat anything before i run and then i, I had some right after yeah so, it's it's, it's normally good to drink a little bit right before you run because it'll keep you hydrated keep the cramps from coming in uh, especially for mm-hmm. you for the amount of running you've been doing lately Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen like you have no muscle anymore. I mean, not like you ever did. Oh, before. That's just all, had all to just have that. in there now. Hey, you're doing a great job, Dave. Great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No you're muscle. doing a great job, Dave. But, <clears throat> but, uh, but no, it's it's definitely because I'm I can't wait. I have what another week. I think I have another week so I can start working out again. Can't wait to get back on this. So, John, I tried to put my suit on when I was out there. <laughs> it was a little tight, little snug, little, little snug little around tight. the ass. Talk about no muscle. Uh, no muscle. What? <laughs> No, you got I more still got that. four abs, buddy. There's no six of them. There's four. <laughs> you, got plenty, you got plenty in the rear trunk part too, man. Those are called a hernia. I have a big, I have a big as, ass. As, as the English would say, he's got quite a boot. I do. I do have a big ass. For being such a smaller guy, I've got a big ass. And I get it from my mama, man. She's Mexican. They got We got big fat asses on that side of the family. So all my aunts got big fat asses. My mom's got a big fat That's ass. That's all right, man. Part of the family, man. Genetics. Boom, so. boom. All right. Well, hey, let's uh, let's go ahead and jump right into this. Look, guys, I'm going to be very transparent with you guys. I was only able to watch the main event, the Brian Ortega fight and the Zell Huber fight, only because in Saudi Arabia, they don't have – if you're on their Wi-Fi, you can't access ESPN. Um, my VPN wasn't working. I don't know why. I was going to try to get another one, but then it just got caught up with the show. So I was only able to catch the last one. Even in Turkish Airlines, I was trying to use their Wi-Fi to watch the fights. I wasn't able to get it. I guess it has something to do with they have they already have their sports networks over there and they don't like to have competing sports networks from other countries that can be streamed. So uh, but anyways, I was able to watch those three going through customs and, you know, and while I was on the tarmac because it took us 30 minutes to get on, get off the tarmac and off the plane. So I was able to watch the, the top three fights. Um, but hey, let's go ahead and talk about the uh, Brandon Roy Vall and Brandon Moreno fight. And uh, before we get started, guys, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button. Smash the subscribe button. Thank you guys so much for subscribing to us. Thank you so much for following us. And uh, hit us up in the comments and talk to us about some things that you guys would like us to start working on a little bit more. If there's things that you guys are interested in hearing more about, let us know. Um, we did a, we did the Conor McGregor um, video and uh, it did really well. We did some other videos as well to um, talk about the 300 matchup, the main event. That did really well. So we were, we're, do, we're liking what we're doing with the side news, and uh, it's doing well. We just got to make sure that it's, uh, it's newsworthy, and uh, we make it as a separate clip. So hopefully you guys are enjoying all this, man. I'm really enjoying it. 
and we'll, how we're doing it and structuring it. And um, we're going to start using our clips channel again. We've kind of gotten away from that. So I think what we'll do is we'll start putting most of our interviews on there. We had the Brian Bader interview that was last week. Then we had the uh, Clay Collard interview that was last week also. So we're going to probably start pushing all of our interview stuff onto one channel, which would be probably the Clips channel. And then keep our news, our longer news sources on the main channel for you guys to come hit one spot. And then all of our small shorts and clips will probably go onto the Clips channel. There's be a lot of talk going on um, about how we can make some adjustments here and there. But we will try to do our best for you guys. And like I said, I just got off the plane an hour and a half. And we're here making sure we drop a show to get us caught back up just for you guys. Well, since you took all that time in customs to watch, hmm. what did you think of the main event with Brandon Royval and Brandon? I thought it was a fantastic fight. Did you? You didn't like it? I, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it, it was I, and I, I, amazing. And I thought it was the t- But, okay, before we get into anything, I got to say this. I think it is... I understand why the UFC goes to Mexico City. But it's, I gotta say, man, it's it's almost unfair for the fighters. It is not easy. You can see, even Brandon Moreno mm-hmm. was, you could see how he was trying to, at times, limit his activity, step back, take breaks, shake himself out. He just wasn't feeling that normal. Normally, he's got a very fast pace. He's got great cardio. And he had good cardio throughout this too, but he was tired. In the fifth round coming out, look, he gave it everything he had. He was tired. You could see it. I think uh, Brandon Royval, Royval was actually feeling a little bit better than him as far as you know the cardio and stuff. But it's all it almost is that thing where you look and it's if you're a fighter in the UFC and they go, okay, we want you to fight on a card in Mexico City. No, thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry. <clears throat> You could see it in quite a few fighters. And, and I thought, for the most part, this group did better than a lot of the, the previous that I've seen. They really did. Yeah. But it's still in that area where the damn location is causing the fights to lose just a little something at time. Now, there were other ones that, you know, it didn't, you know, I, but I, even Yair Rodriguez, I thought he lost a little steam. You know, he went after Brian Ortega. He tried to finish that fight, lost a little steam. All of a sudden, he was having a hard time recovering. Made a difference in the fight. I don't know. It's just the location is a nasty location to have to fight in. John, I think what it comes down to, though, is that the location, though, for most of these fighters, they have family there. And it's probably the only time that family will have an opportunity to watch them fight live. Could be true. And so now I can't tell you which ones have fighter or family there. But I'm just simply saying you've got if you do have aunts and uncles there or you have cousins that live there, it's like, this is their opportunity and up, you know, for a chance for them to come and watch you fight live. And, and I grew up in a Mexican family, man. And so I just understand how important it was for me to fight in San Jose, knowing that my family didn't have a lot of money to travel everywhere to go watch me fight, you know, not even to Vegas. Like, you know, it just like that, even that was a close uh, flight just to stay there at the hotels and like, you know, everything, it was just, it was a lot on them. A lot of, and for all my cousins, all my aunts, all my uncles that wanted to come, that's why I did so well in selling tickets in San Jose is because yeah. it was in San Jose. Almost all my, my mom's side of the family was there, you know, just like 50 something cousins just on my mom's side. 
you know, my mom is the youngest of 13. There's like, you know, nine that are her, her original. Yeah. And then she's got, you know, some other family members that are, we just call family. Cause you know, they pretty much are a family, but it's uh but it's a lot. And so just being able to ha have them all come and watch is important. And so I think a lot of them, you know, for a year or for, you know, Brandon Moreno or who, whatever, anybody on the card, they, if they get an opportunity to fight in Mexico, it's an opportunity for the, some of the family that would never be able to watch them fight anywhere else. Well, I'm not saying anything about Mexico. I'm saying Mexico city. city. Yeah, Mexico city. Okay. okay. That's what I meant. Yeah. Okay. Um, but overall, look, I, when I was talking, when I was watching the fight, great fight. I, I do yeah. agree. Brandon looked kind of tired in that fourth round. I had it two, two going into the fifth. And I had Third Brandon eye. Royval barely inking out the the. No, nah, he he won. He the did no, round. but I said I had him barely inking yeah. out. But the reason why I had him inking out, and I saw this, a lot of people were complaining, and I got to be honest, I'm kind of complaining too. Is why is Herb Dean splitting him up so fast, so quick? Because it's, uh, it's all coming down to well, it's the last round, and we want you guys to. Do something that's going to make okay. it to where it is clear, you know, that I didn't let you sit on the fence and do nothing okay. for an extended amount of time. I understand you're tired. It's the last round. You got to go. You got to give the judges something to look at. That's the reason. Okay. Well, then let's set it. Okay. If that's the way it's going to be, is that the way it's going to be going forward? Are we setting the standard for it to go he's that the, way from on, now he's, on? He's done that. Herb has done that quite a few times. Dan, Dan, uh, Rigolata does it, you know, where he breaks guys up fast. I'm not against and it. The, it's just the not farther it the farther it goes into the fight, the faster it gets. I'm not against it. I'm simply saying that I would like to see it being done frequently then. I don't want to see it like one ref does it and then another ref doesn't do it. it there needs to be yeah. a hey, if the if the fight is close, it's a two two fight, then look for me to probably be splitting you guys up if you're trying to hang on and get the victory. I gotta I gotta yeah. give the judges an opportunity to make a real call on this. And I'm not against what he did. I'm actually kind of enjoy the fact because then I was a little bit more clear who won that round. Had Moreno yep. been able just to hold Ray Vall against the fence like he was Might doing, have been different. Yep. May have, maybe have snuck it out there. Because well, you wouldn't. You would have had some instances where there were some punches thrown by Roy Vall that were decent. Yeah, they might not have ever have occurred. This is true, and so it is true that you know it does affect the fight, and that's just anything you do as a referee. You're looking, trying to, I don't want to affect the fight, but sometimes you're going yeah. to. Yeah. I thought the second and round was the most clear round by Brandon Royval. He won that round pretty dominantly. But the, the yeah. other three, the other three rounds, I even though I felt like they were clear wins, like round one was clear win for Brandon. Round two was clear win for Brandon, uh, uh, for Royval. Both Brandon, <laughs> Brandon, Brandon, Brandon both I sides. Know, I just realized Brandon that. Moreno won the first yes. round. Brandon Royval won, won the second round. Brandon Moreno won the third, won the third round. Royval won the Brandon, fourth. Royval wins the yes. fourth, and then the fifth comes up for for yeah. for a uh, decision. Yeah, uh, it was a good fight though. Very, I was very impressed with Brandon Royval. Um, with Royval, his jab was on point. I loved how he realized what Moreno was doing, dipping his head to the same side and started using the knee to the gut or up to the head, depending on how far he dipped it. His knees to the body yeah. at times really took the steam out of Brandon yeah. Moreno. Especially at that altitude, no. any little mo exactly. any little thing you do to the body makes a big difference as the fight goes on yep. in a five round fight. Um, I, I this was a fantastic fight, beginning to end. I didn't see. I I kind of can understand now. You brought you brought it up that like, hey, 
there's a little bit of steam that was taken out of it because they both looked a little bit tired because of the altitude. Yeah. But I thought also too it was a great fight. I thought they both fought their but ass it's both, off. It, it's it's not it's not I'm not I'm not saying that you know it gives an advantage to one fighter over the other or anything like that. It's just that both of those guys have freaking motors. You know that Brandon Moreno's got a yeah. motor. And when he's gassing the way he is, it's like it's a location, mm-hmm. man. I, I, you can't blame him. It's 7300 feet mm-hmm. up. We're talking, you know, Everyone talks about, oh, I'm training in Denver. Denver's low compared to Mexico City. 52 compared to yeah. 73. You know, it's not an easy place to find. Yeah. Difficult. An extra 2,000 feet is a lot. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, I mean, I'm happy when it's an extra two inches, and she's <laughs> an extra 2,000 yeah. is a lot. <laughs> um, if, they, if they told me I had to fight, and I said, is it four feet, higher than four feet off a of sea level? Uh, <laughs> I need oxygen. Okay, so let's let's play a little. So Brandon Royval is going to fight for the title against Pantoja next. I would assume, correct? I don't think so. Well, who, I don't. Who's going to so. fight? I really do. I mean, there's there's a couple you can put in there, but you got to figure he just lost to Pantoja. Mm-hmm. Okay, he took this fight. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a replacement. You know, fighter for it. I don't think they're going to give him a, a rematch right away. I don't think that's fair to Pantoja. Yeah. You know, then Albazi. Yeah, I could see Albazi getting yeah. it. I could see Car- Kaikara France possibly. You know, even though he's had a couple losses in there, uh, Manal Cape. I could see putting him mm. in there. He would make it interesting. <clears throat> but and then, then you always got you know Mokayev, who was an interesting fighter, fun to watch. I wonder how he'll fare under these new rules where you can't play the dance thing with your feet with your hands on the ground that, that has not changed no, yet not yet so better make his make run quick make it fast <laughs> better make his run quick um yeah. yeah i i think that the division is stacked it's it's uh it's come a long way let me can i throw a little wrench in here yeah <clears throat> he has time to still come back dj Eddie Alvarez no. was able to get out of his contract with one. One is yeah. having some financial problems. DJ, I think, could come back and be the champion again. It would be a fantastic story. Oh, yeah. I, I just First off, D, here's what people need to know. DJ is a fantastic person. Yes. You talk about a quality guy, a guy that just does everything right, treats people the right way, you know, works his ass off when he's working, you know, but takes care, you know, he, he does the right things with his family, with his kids, you know, taking time, mm-hmm. just the, everything that guy does. DJ is not only a superstar in the cage, he's a superstar outside of the cage and just a great person. What do you think the chances are? I really don't know what his ability to get out of that contract with one is. I really don't. And that would be, that's the, that's the question. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, I mean, like I've said this, I don't know how many times, but when you have a, like when Anthony Johnson left when I didn't leave, but was kind of released and had, went off to the world series of fighting, came back, he made triple the amount of money he was making when he left. DJ yeah. can come back and now command quite a bit of money because he's making a lot sure. of money over there 
we know that. But here's the difference. Here's the difference that you got to think about, and it's, and it's going to you know have some relevance to the Eddie was not a champion in one. No, Eddie had had several losses. Now it's not that DJ hasn't had a loss; he has, but he's their champion. They're not just going to let him go. No, I understand. I do get that portion of it all. Um, but they're like they've already done business before in terms of trades. They could trade sure. DJ back. This division now has rebuilt itself, and it's an exciting division. And there's people there that he has never fought that oh, are available. Most. Yeah, and what makes it it makes it interesting. Now people can sit here, and I would probably still probably say that he is probably still the number one or number two pound for pound fighter in the world. Because he's not actually there fighting 125 pounders, John. He's there fighting 145 no, pounders. And he's their champion. 30, I'll say, we'll say 35. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But he's there fighting guys that are bigger than him. Let's just be honest. No doubt. No so doubt if we about bring it. him back, and he's going to still fight guys. These guys are all probably bigger than him as well, by the way. But he's going to end up fighting these guys. And it's it, the UFC's um, ability to bring fighters back build them back up, understanding where DJ is at in his career. And if I yeah. could get some of these younger guys to maybe beat him, to start building my, that next generation, he left as one of the greatest came back, won a title somewhere else, came back. And now the young guys want to test themselves against the, basically the, the legend of this weight class, the goat of that, the goat division. Of that divi- exactly. The goat of the division. Okay. I mean, up until he lost to Marais or whatever before, he was probably the, he was pretty close to being the goat of the sport. I mean, it was hard. You put him in there, he's just so damn good. Just that you considered the weight class was kind of weak at that time. Now, yeah. it's a pretty stacked uh, weight class. And you look at the guys that he could fight. Oh, it makes for a lot of great fights. A lot of great oh, yeah. fights. It does. So, um, I throw but, that out there. And well, once, once, once again, you're throwing something out there that probably is not going to happen. I think that there's more of a chance than we're giving it. I, I think I think it's more of a chance than you're giving it. I'm giving it probably I'd say a fifty fifty chance right now. Okay. I give it fifty. What do you say? Eighty twenty, maybe even less. Yeah, 90, 70, 10? 70, 75, 75, 25. 75, 25? Okay. That, yeah. Now I'm going to throw another wrench in there. Guess I saw some some reviews to our interviews today, and Triple C is talking about huh, me and me and I, we're, that's, that's that's the one that look at if. Henry decided to, hey, all right, I'm going to take my nutrition super serious. I'm going to get myself down to back to 125, be in shape. He's going to cause problems for all of them. Now, it's not that they, you know, not that they can't fight with him, but let's be honest. He's got a skill set that at 125, his frame matches up. At 135, his frame doesn't really match up that well with most of the guys in the 135 pound. You especially you take someone like a Corey Sandhagen or a Marlon Vera. I mean, it's, it starts to get a little bit accentuated. But or Sean O'Malley. At one, <laughs> oh, just, exactly. You know, but you look and you go at one twenty-five. You know, he's right there. He's still got his wrestling. He's super strong. He's a smart fighter. I think he would do great. Yeah. But how serious? And, and you know. As you get older, mm-hmm. losing weight Ugh. gets worse. You know, it's what's weird. It it, it does worse. get worse, but it's also harder to keep your weight on. Yeah. So losing weight is it, it, it is harder, but that's when you're kind of not taking your your diet and nutrition say uh, uh, serious. 
but getting the to build the muscle on this, which is what he's going to need to have that leaner muscle on his body to keep up with these young guys and the fast guys. He was always the fastest guy outside of DJ. That's yeah. not the case anymore. Like Pantoja's pretty damn fast. You know, uh, Royval's got a very fast jab. Just Royval's fast. Kai Kara France yeah, is fast. fast. Manel Cape is yes. fast. So there's some guys in there. I like to see uh, Mokaev and and uh, Henry. Ooh, be a good little fight. That's yeah, a good little fight. But I mean, I think the Brandon would Moreno be. fight and Henry makes sense. They used to train together. Uh, Henry feels a little betrayed by him. Yep. You know, there's been a little bit of beef back and forth. If he was going to come back down to 25, I guess that'd be the perfect fight to make. And that puts him right in opportunity yeah. to fight for the title. <clears throat> But I'm not quite done. I'm not ready to give up on the DJ coming back. Yeah, that one I'm not saying. I think it would be cool. I think it'd be great. I'm not. I'm not saying you don't have a great plan, great idea. Yeah. I just don't think it's gonna. Well, guys, you heard it here first, man. I'm saying I think DJ. There's a chance there might be a DJ return, and it would make sense for one to say, "Hey, we'll trade you back, DJ, because your 125s now are built up, and you give us somebody." Who, but hold on, you're saying. We're going to trade you back, DJ. Mm-hmm. Who's going to one? Well, we don't know. It doesn't have to be anybody in that weight class. They traded DJ for Ben. Does. Who do you know that wants they, they to go to one to from want. the UFC? I own the contract, John. That's how it works last time. You can trade them without their consent. That is not how it yes, worked it last time. That is not how it worked ben last time. Ben wanted to come, but he was still able ben to Ben wanted to go to the UFC, yep. and DJ wanted to go to one. Okay. And what, so when you have someone that has a contract with the UFC and does not want to go to one, they got to retire. Completely different. Then they retire. So you make no. you make your choice. You don't have to fight for one. You just don't want you can retire. That's the choice. <laughs> now you now you're making a guy retire. I'm not saying that. Really? But I'm saying go over there, really? fight your fights, and come back if you want. <laughs> I get what you're saying, John. But look, that no, it's, it's a first yes. off. A fighter does not have to go to a different promotion. Okay. Then they don't have to fight either. The contract is being held by the UFC. If you don't go over there and fight, then I still own your contract and we'll just sit you. Okay. I think it'd be jerks like that. We understand that they can be jerks like I'm that. I'm not saying they can't, but I'm saying they can't make someone go fight over in one. Okay. I, I get what you are saying, but what I am telling you is that then they don't have to fight. We're doing a trade. I get my guy. You get your guy. You're not going to do a trade. There's no trades like that in. There's not. You know, this whole thing when they said, oh, it was a trade. Bullshit. It was a trade. Okay. DJ wanted to go to one. So the UFC let him go to one. And they said, okay, we'll take Ben Askren because Ben Askren wanted to go to the UFC or he was retiring. Bellator almost traded for Cain Velasquez. We were this close. It was this close to happening. Trading who? Uh, they, we know we, Ben, they tried to go Bellator. We tried to get Kane. And then uh, we wanted to give them, um, um, oh, I should say. <laughs> uh, go. Doesn't matter. They, it was, it was supposed to be, uh, they were looking at either, uh, it was supposed to be Yaroslav Amosov. <clears throat> and just didn't, couldn't get a deal done. It was, but see, there's the difference. Yeah. Yaroslav wants to go to the UFC. Yeah, this was before. This was right when. This was right when he won the title. I think, or right before he won the title. Still, he mm-hmm. wants to go to the UFC. Yeah. Kane want to would want to go to. Okay, you got two guys wanting to go. That's, yeah, it'll work. I get it. 
I understand. But look, I'm throwing it out there. I think DJ, there's a chance that DJ could end up coming back. We'll Let's see. see. I would like I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it happen before it, it happens. Be I'd it. love it. All right. Bre- it. Uh Brian Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez. Dude. <clears throat> fantastic fight. Fantastic fight. I loved the fight. I loved everything about it. All the way from Brian Ortega jumping up and down <laughs> and twisting his ankle. You know, before the fight ever started, you can see the look like, what the hell is going on here, man? You know, but he goes out there. Uh, Yair was putting it on him. He got hurt. Yair went after him. Yair could not finish him and come. There was a point in the second round and it was in the standup and Yair, Yair takes steps back and Brian went out and it was the change of the mm-hmm. fight. And you could see it, and you could see that Yair was in that, man, I've hit this guy with a ton of shots, and I'm tired now, and he's not stopping. And it was just that mindset started coming in. And from that point, Brian Ortega just took over. He took over that round. He ends up, you know, in the mount position. He cuts him and then comes out in the third round and puts him away. And just a beautiful performance by Brian Ortega. Mm -hmm. You know, and if, if there's one thing that we've seen out of Brian throughout his career, and like I, I, I started with Brian when he was very young, man, there's guys that you can sit there and look at and say, hey, you know, that guy's a good fighter, but he just doesn't have that thing about him where when the, when the going's rough, you're not always sure if he's going to be able to pull it out. Brian Ortega is a dog. He has got no quit in him. He, he will stand there and throw shots with someone. He will give everything he has. you got to goddamn kill him to put him out of there. And he did it once again because how many – how much were you thinking, oh, my God, he's in trouble in this fight? Yeah. You know what – He pulled it you out. You know what lights a fire underneath someone's ass, though, more than anything? When your ex-girlfriend's there in the stands watching you. <laughs> Uh, everyone was everyone was commenting like there's just no way man you're gonna let her know that karma's not real this ain't ain't coming for me today it ain't coming for me man he took some big shots in the first round he went down was able to gather his wits he finished the first round strong second round i agree with you the tide turned when he was able to start getting yair to fight going backwards yair is He's the hammer when he's setting the tempo of the pace of the fight. When he's just taking the center when of the he's cage, not setting that tempo. It's a and problem. Just touching with the feet, touching with the feet, touching with the hands, mixing it up real quick. <clears throat> just kind of um, snipering at you. Just bop, bop, yeah. bop, real quick. Yeah, that's he's comfortable yeah. there. Yep, just super comfortable. When he started making him, when he just kind of started slipping a little bit off offline, Brian did, and then just walking him down and making him fight off of his back foot. You saw Yair. He went from being confident. To not confident and also more fatigued. Yeah. Which is, you know, when you talked earlier about like, oh, these, you know, the fights being in Mexico City, but Brian Ortega, after that first round, it was almost like a wake up call. Like, oh man, get my weights back about me. <laughs> oh, Come it was a wake up call. Round. Come back out in the second round. He had the cardio, the conditioning, and he pushed. He just walked forward and he was got he got into those exchanges. And I was like, man, what are you doing? But he was doing the right thing. He was making Brian, yeah. he was making Yair fight very uncomfortable in a very uncomfortable position inside that little bit of a phone booth. 
where he just wasn't wasn't able to do it. You could tell the nerves. Yeah, Stepping step in and taking away a lot of the kicks that Yair likes to do from distance, <clears throat> mm-hmm. making it to where that did not feel comfortable for him to yeah. throw that. You know, <clears throat> Adam, I I just I just give it to Brian Ortega, dude. You are a fucking you're a hell of a nail and a hell of a hammer, dude. Because I'll tell you what, you were taking shots and you there was no quit, no stop ever. You know, mm-hmm. gutty performance. And when the tide turned and you got that mount in the second round, stayed on top of him and just systematically breaking him down. That was smart. Was, that's the way you control your pace, your breathing, all that stuff. And then opened up with a couple good elbows, the way he was posting, you know, the old Jeremy Horn style of pushing down on the head and throwing the elbow down. Beautifully done, cuts him open. And when he got cut open, and, and you you know this, with a lot of fighters, all of a sudden, when they know they get cut and they bet on the bottom, it either pisses them off or it makes them go, shit, this is getting away mm-hmm. from me. And I think it, in your ears, it was it's getting away from you because he didn't last long in that yeah. third round. John, <clears throat> Brian Ortega, he known for his jujitsu, known for his triangles, known for his submissions. But after the Frankie Edgar fight, he started becoming like a stand-up guy. Yeah. And then, you know, the Max Holloway fight. And then even with the Volk fight, he was chasing, he chased a couple of the submissions in that third round. It was And Volk was able to get out. <clears throat> but he was never back to like shooting, trying to get to the body locks. In this fight, he had some shots. He went to the body locks. He was getting the takedowns. Oh, yeah. And that's the style he needs to fight if he wants to beat, oh, you know, guys like Taporia. No doubt about it. If yeah. he goes back to that, we're going to see more of this. We're going to see more of him getting finishes. We're going to see more of him dominating fights. Even he may get caught and clipped like he did in the first, but he, we've already seen him with the Max fight, with all the other, with the Volk fight. He's still there. He can yep. take a shot. He'll keep going. Yeah, he'll try and push through. He doesn't want to stop. He's got <clears throat> people, you know, he's got dogs. He's got dogs in his hands. He's uh, He can throw. He can throw down. He's got a lot of heart. So I would like yep. to see him start using all of his weapons instead of just picking one. Oh, I'm going to be a boxer today, okay, or oh, I'm going to be a jiu-jitsu guy today. I feel like his wrestling and his jiu-jitsu have escaped him the last, like, three or four fights, and now it's great to see him getting back to it because that's when the fight started really taking a change. It's when he was making him fight on his back foot, and then that led into clinching, that led into takedowns, that led into getting the top position and dominating. So yeah. seeing him fight in Taporia next, I think, would be a, a f- amazing fight. Amazing! Ooh, you already call it. You already calling that one out. It was, just, it was a good finish, man. Versus... It was a great finish, and the way he did it, takedown right to the side choke, and the finish, and it was on tight and deep, and done. Um, oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they have Max, but Max is gonna have to fight Gaethje first. So, yeah. how long does Taporia sit? Do you let him enjoy being the champ, and for you know five, four or five months, or do you try to get him back in there as fast as possible? We'll see. Yeah, I don't. First off. We've talked about it. I think Volk needs some time mm-hmm. off, but it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what he wants to do and what the UFC wants. So, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Interesting. All right, Daniel Zellhuber versus uh, Francisco Prado. Damn, I'll tell you what. Great fight. Francisco Prado, if he does not remind you of Drew Dober, he is another <laughs> The version. whole time I was thinking Drew Dober. Dude, yeah. he not. I mean, he's built like him. Yeah. He's got striking like him. As far as man, he throws hard, right? Tough as shit. Takes a big shot. Comes back. You know, 
So toughness, durability, the striking, the build. That dude is a remake of Drew Dober. I want to say I want to see Drew Dober at Francisco Prado. Fight. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure Drew wants that as far as the rankings and everything. But I mean, just a a, a throwback to a guy that I think is you know had a great career in Drew, and and it would be neat to see the two. But yeah, I thought Daniel Zellhuber did a great job in taking the first round, trying to feel him out, trying to get his range, trying to establish that movement that he is so good with. And then second and third round just started just being a sniper yeah. on him at times, picking him apart and just showing a level. Just again, everything is about levels and I'm a level better than you son. And, and I'm going to prove it to you. And I'm going to start putting shots on you and Prado. Look, I can say nothing bad about his performance. Nope. It was gutsy. You know, he did everything he could. He gave it. He, he had a face that looked like Rocky Balboa at the end of the second round. You're looking at him in the corner and you're going, you know, cut me, Mick. You know, it's a, he did not look good. His, his corner is telling him, you don't need your eyes, you know? And I'm thinking, yes, you do, uh... you know, but I understand what his corner was trying to, you know, tell him is, Hey, if you get into the clinch, you get him against the cage. You don't have to see him. You know, you, you got a hold of him, but a gutsy performance by him, but a, a very, a very technically proficient and well uh, diagrammed and fought fight yeah. by Daniel Zellhuber. Did you have? I had Prado win in the first round. Did I miss something? No. Prado won the first. No. Yeah, you could. Okay. Have. I had Prado win in the could first, have. and I had Zellhuber win in second and third. He won the second and third pretty dominantly. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't give it ten eights, but I mean, I, I had Zellhuber doing a good job, <clears throat> staying long. Using the knees, like he did everything beautifully. He was very composed the whole time. Try to make him fight at length. I'm surprised Prado didn't go more to the calf kick as the in, in later in the second into the third. He kind of got away from it altogether. Um, I wonder he, why he was having success there. Come on, yeah, but he was getting he yeah. was getting every time he threw it, he got hit, and after a while, it was like I, I'm not, I'm not going to throw yeah, it anymore. I guess. Um, but I will say this with Prado, he is so fun to watch and one of the biggest takeaways for me and throughout my career was when i fought over in pride is it said in the contract if you put on great fights we'll always have you back and i look at fighters like this and i think you'll probably never be champion at least not at lightweight you know um you'll probably never be champion but man i would still tune in to watch you fight every damn time you know and you got to have those fighters agree you got to have him, you know, and um, it, it would be good for, for the UFC to try to keep him around, match him favorably and make sure that there's some good fights in there. And uh, we've seen him do it before. They can do whatever they want, obviously, but sure. this is one of those guys. He laid it all on the line. Great fight. Young up and talent fighter against Zell Huber. And uh, Eric Nixick talked about how great Daniel Zell Huber is. He's a great yeah. fighter. He's very easy to coach, very coachable, very fun to have in the room. And uh, very talented. So I'm looking forward to seeing how his career goes in the lightweight division. And uh, Prado, looking forward to seeing him fight again. Hopefully they keep him. Hopefully. Because they said they brought him back for this fight. I'll tell you what. They did. He he absolutely showed his value because he fought his ass off. Yeah, he did. All right, John, talk to me more about what other fights on this card you want to talk about. Well, you know, you have the Yasmin uh, Jarugi versus Sam Hughes fight. It was, you know, a well-contested fight. So I thought I thought Sam Hughes fought as good as she could against Yasmin. Yasmin was just, she's she's too fast. 
and too sharp. And she likes to throw a lot of volume at you. I thought she, it was a, a clean win for her. I, I, I can't remember the scores. I'm, I was almost thinking that someone had, had given uh, Sam Hughes uh, one on one of the cards might have gotten the, the call by the, but I was like, it was definitely uh, Yasmin <clears throat> taking that fight. So it was well done for Dave's trying to look that up for me. Take a look at that for me real quick. What were the scores on that? No, they were 30-27 across the board like it should have been. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. You know, maybe it was that Sam Hughes at, Hughes at the end raised her hands up, and it's like, oh, I'm sorry, sweetheart. Not even close. <laughs> but uh, really nice, beautiful job by uh, Yasmin. I, th- I thought she just looked fantastic throughout the whole thing. Uh, Manny Torres, God damn it. Josh? This is a kid you have to watch. Okay, this kid ran through Chris Duncan. He's good, you know. He just his stand up is sharp. He's got power in his hands, and when he got the chance to take the back and sink in the choke, Chris Duncan is a strong Scottish fighter. I'm sorry, Dave, ah. but you know he uh, from Scotland, man. And I'll tell you what, Torres just tore him a new one. Uh, he looked great, and he's someone to watch. Uh, Ever since William Wallace was killed, they haven't made men like him anymore in that country. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the fight between Ronnie uh, Barcelos and Christian Quinones. It was a great fight. Quinones was winning that fight. He made a mistake at the end. That got uh, Barcelos to get his back. He got the choke in and uh, was able to get it, but the fans were not happy with Ronnie Marcellus. They thought he cheated. He grabbed the fence. He pulled the Josh Thompson as far as, well, Josh, you hate that. Oh, I do hate that. do that, and you think something should be done, and he did it, no doubt about it, and they didn't call it. The referee was uh, from Mexico, did not call it, and it it affected the takedown. You know, possibly could have been a takedown in that, and it might have affected the fight, so you can take a look at it and say, yeah, I understand why you get mad. Well, it obviously did affect Uh, the fight. Kenyon lost. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the Mateus Mendonca versus uh, Aguilar fight was a really good fight. Back and forth. Both guys, a lot of, you know, a lot of energy, a lot of big shots thrown, some ground game. Both guys really going after it. You could have gone either way on this one. And uh, Mendonca, I know, was a little bit like, you know, deflated, but. Aguilar being in Mexico and stuff, I think the fans and everything just kind of everything just pumped him up enough to get that win. So uh, it was a nice, nice win for him. Uh, Edgar Chara's against uh, Daniel De Silva. That was the one. There was you know controversy as far as that was stopped early before with uh, Daniel De Silva getting a win over Chara's when he the referee thought he was out, ah, he wasn't, he out. wasn't out, <clears throat> and uh, he came back and quickly. I mean. Just as soon as that thing hit the ground uh, and it was taken down by De Silva, he latched on a triangle choke, and, man, it was over. Mm. Uh, Well done, and it was nice to see him get a win to prove, hey, you know what? I I definitely had the skills to be in that fight in the first one. So, Other than that, I think we're done with the UFC. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our UFC talk. So make sure you guys hit that subscribe button, though, on our channel here. And also, we have a Clips channel. There's a link down below. You guys can subscribe to our Clips channel uh, as well. Hit that little bell notification. Well, thank you guys so much. Also, go to OnlyFans.com slash Wayne In. OnlyFans.com slash Wayne In. Thank you guys for subscribing to us over there. I'm going to do a live chat tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm sorry, not Eastern Time. Central Time. 
2 p.m. Central Time. Uh, I'll jump on there for a bit. And hopefully you guys enjoy that. And not tomorrow. Sorry. That will be today because this drops. This drops today. Oh, this will be Tuesday. So Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, I'll be doing a live chat on our OnlyFans.com slash weighing in. Subscribe to us there. It is free. I'll answer all your guys' questions. We'll talk more in depth about how the PFL and Bellator uh, fights were um, uh, over the weekend in Saudi Arabia. So if you guys have questions about that, about production, about any of that stuff, that's a good place to, to ask me those questions. So good opportunity. Tomorrow at 2 p.m. Central Time, I will be on our OnlyFans.com slash Wayne. All right, let's go. Very nice. PFL versus Bellator. John? Yes, sir. Right, buddy. Uh, I'm listening. Go ahead. <laughs> you know what's funny is it, 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 this whole thing comes down to, you know, when we first saw this, you and I looked at this whole lineup, and it changed a little bit. You know, it had Patricio Pitbull in there before, and then uh, Pinedo had to pull out. and It had a couple of changes here and there. But, you know, we had looked at it and we, you know, I, we were trying to be as honest as we could because we were talking with PFL, you know, people and stuff. And you could tell that, you know, the PFL, they were for their, you know, their guys and the Bellator guys were trying to say, well, no, I don't think so. You know, we looked at this and when, we, when the final card came out, we, we both looked and said, probably 5-1. True. Is that not what we yeah, said? Yeah, I, I was thinking five one or four two. Look, Pinedo to me is is the was the unknown. But, the, but that fight was pulled. I know, but I'm saying that, that's when why. it was in, originally announced the Pinedo yeah. and Patricio fight because Patricio had the neck surgery. I wasn't sure how good he was going to be coming back. He yep. physically, like when I saw him this time around, he doesn't look as muscular as he used to. I'm not sure if he's fully gained all that weight back from the 135 pound cut. Yeah. Um, going down in weight like that. I did that for when I fought Kid Yamamoto and it took me over almost a month, almost two months to get all my muscle back on and get back up to 170, 168. I had made that cut to fight him. Patricio still looks like he's eating clean. He looks fantastic. Looks lean, looks good. He just was a little bit more muscular back when he was at 45. Before. He didn't look as muscular in this weigh-in. And uh, I talked to him the way the weight cut was, he said, super easy. So when I looked at Pinedo and him fighting, him coming off the there next the surgery, question. that's the one we saw. Him about, coming yeah. off his first KO loss ever of his career was in Japan. Those two things together, plus his loss to Pettis in a five round fight, making the weight cut. He had, he's had the two losses and then the neck surgery, basically the third loss <laughs> having a neck yeah. surgery. So I wasn't sure what we would get out of him on his return. Yeah, Pinedo's been it looking was. Was great. And he can take a shot and he can come forward. He's got great cardio. That fight concerned me also. So the Bader fight concerned me because of the size and the speed and the reach of of Hena and Fahir, and then also the Patricio and uh, Pinedo fight. So those were the two fights that yeah. I had I had concerns about. Yeah. So you know when you look at the you know, how it ended up, you know we take a look at the main event. Fast. Mm -hmm. What are you going to say? Hena Fahir is six foot eight. He is an athletic six foot eight. That's the one thing we said about him before. He's got fast hands. If Bader was to win this fight, he was going to have to get a, a takedown and get a takedown yeah. fairly quickly within the fight and use ground and pound and keep Fahey on his back and beat him up and slow him down before he was ever able to get back to his feet. That did not happen because Fahey was able to touch him with a right hand that put uh, Bader down and then finished him off with hammer fist. And that's that's fighting. That's just the way it goes. This is what happens. I, you know, We say it all the time. Bader is now what 40 or 41 years 40, of age. Yeah. 
and he's if this is what happens you start to you know the young guys it's bigger stronger faster all those things start happening the advantages that you had in the past are you know they go away and this is part of fighting yeah i i talked to beta right after the fight he was visibly upset like um emotionally upset and visibly upset he just um there was a lot of expectations on him to get this thing done I think the, the added pressure of seeing all the guys get the the win, him being the last one, the main event. Um, I I thought he would take more of a page out of like the Cain Velasquez, um, Junior, Junior Dos Santos fight. I thought he would do more of that, like go ahead and chase the the ankle pick, you know, in the beginning because you you, you know once you get the fight down. I saw it against uh, Fajaya versus Goldsoft. Goldsoft yeah. being on top of him in the you know in the first round, he was able to survive, but then. You know, he has he had nothing off of his back for him. But on yeah. the feet is where the danger is. The speed, the reach, the power, all that stuff is there. You know, um, and it's it it wasn't Ryan Bader's night, man. He made a mistake, he got caught, fight was over. It was it was it all, it all happened that quick. It was 20 seconds. It all happened that yep. quick. Um That's it. that being said. I try to always, and as much as I know people like to give me a lot of hate in terms of being a homer, look, guys, I'm a homer for my friends. Like, and I, Brian Bader's a friend of mine, but yep. I'm a homer for like guys that I've trained with that I've been a part of, you know, with their, my careers and they've helped me get better and I've tried to help them. That being said, from a promotional standpoint, the better fight for them to market would be the Henna oh, Fajeda no versus Francis Ngano. Francis Ngano. Yeah. Because I think what you're going to see now is now. It sound it looks better on paper, okay. But what's going to happen though is you're going to end up Francis turning into a wrestler. So it on paper it looks good. And like when I say, "Oh, you have a stand up and knockout artist and head of a head," you got another stand up knockout artist, knockout artist in Francis Ngannou. But Francis will wrestle because he knows he's got a. And we saw it with Cyril gone, and I think you're going to see it again in this fight if they do fight when they do fight. You're going to see Francis use all the tools. That's the point of MMA. So I'm not knocking him. I'm just simply saying he is going to get the takedown. He will control this fight from the ground, top position, dominate. And I think that's the way he will, if he does fight this fight or when he does fight this fight, that's how that fight will go. He will look to get the takedowns. But I mean, how crazy is that though, right, John? Is that you're going to, and it's smart on his part. I think it'll be smart on his part. But I think that it will, like that, just, we've seen too much from Fajeda this to know that like on the on his back and on the ground he's gonna have to get a lot better between the time he fights Francis. Luckily, he's at a American Top Team now. He's working with good wrestlers. He's working on his takedown defense. He's feeling a lot more confident there. Um, <clears throat> we didn't get a, we didn't get an opportunity or a chance to see too much of it in this fight, but uh, but. But it's, I, th I think we're going to see this. Hopefully, we see this Francis fight with uh, Head in here. I think hopefully in July or August, sometime around there, maybe early September. We'll, we'll see. see. That's the real question because if if Francis beats Anthony Joshua, is he going to be fighting Fahea? I don't know. <laughs> it's a question, dude. I don't know. It really I, is. I, I don't think so. But you yeah, know what the crappy that's... part is, though, John, is that they start. They start the tournament, so he can't just jump into the tournament mid tournament to win his. Well, he's not going to. He, well, he's he's not a tournament guy. No, Hennen, Hennen Fajeda. Oh, Hennen. You think you think Fajeda is going to go back in the tournament? If he if this fight with Francis is going to happen before the tournament wraps up, I think so. 
Well, I, it's not going to happen before the. No, they, they, that, he, tur- he, that tournament's going to go all the way to November. Yeah, he needs to get a guarantee. Season? He needs to get a guarantee that that fight is going to happen. That's the thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. Does he just sit out until Francis is ready? But, but you but, don't know if Francis how, is ready. How? But how does the PFL guarantee him anything as far as what Francis Ngannou is going to do? They can have a contract. <clears throat> okay, and they do with Francis. Francis is supposed to fight. But if Francis beats Anthony Joshua, what do you what do you think is going to happen? Fight Usyk next. Usyk or Fury yeah. again? Okay, I don't see him going back to the PFL. You know, between that time, he's, he can't go back to to training as an MMA fighter. Mm. Can't do that. I, I wish I had answers for you, John. There's questions. There's, yeah. I, it's, I just look at it. There's questions. But in the meantime, this this guy, you know, with Hennan, he's going to have to make sure that he's getting compensated for them telling him he's going to be fighting, but he's not fighting. Sure. So okay. Either either you need to have something in place for me, or pay me to sit and wait for Francis because that's the fight to make. I got to be honest. He's coming off of a great knockout over Bader coming right. off of a great knockout in the finals. Um, <clears throat> it's there. It's there for him to, you know, like the, and if you're going to say stylistically, the matchup you want to see is that you want to see a fast, huge, explosive fighter and head of a head of fight. Francis Ngannou. So, He's not a small guy, man. 264, 264, 263 pounds is what he weighed in. Yeah. I mean, look, we've seen Francis fight guys somewhat his size. But we haven't seen him fight somebody this size, this athletic, but like physically taller and bigger. Like in terms of body frame, like he's not gonna be a whole lot bigger than Francis. No, but he's got I think he'll have a longer reach. Yeah, dude, he's got an 85 inch reach. That's one of the longest uh, reaches. What's John? 82? 84. Jeez, man. Crazy. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. Uh, boy, all right. That, look, we'll see what happens. We'll see. But I mean, like, he, the, the tournament starts next month. He's obviously not going to be in it. Or that's the opening round. So, I mean, yeah. we'll see. Who knows? Who knows? All right, next fight. <laughs> yeah, Johnny Eblen taking on Impa. Because and I, I'll tell you what. <sighs> I think, uh, like anything, you know, we talk about sometimes it's not your night. Sometimes it is your night when you're fighting. I thought Johnny Eblen fought a tough-ass fight in the fact, especially that things weren't were not going his way, and he hung in there, and he kept just digging, and he kept just scrapping. And Impa, you know, I, I think Impa has gotten so much better over the last year and a half. And what he's doing at Kill Cliff, they're doing a great job with him, but this is, you know, everyone was talking about, you know, and you heard it on their, the commentary. They're talking about Impa and his cardio, and he's got great cardio. He really does. But Johnny Eblen won based upon better cardio. He was able to push Impa to the point where Impa was, he was not being offensive because he was, he was trying to get a breath. Mm-hmm. And it was that pressure that Johnny just kept on him. He couldn't, he couldn't take that step back or that bounce back and, <clears throat> and blow out the lungs and get himself back. And it was the difference in the fight. Because if you were you know, looking at it, I had Johnny winning the, the first round. It was fairly close, but volume-wise and the actual shots that landed and landed in the legal area as far as not on the arm, not on the shoulder, Johnny, Johnny took that round. 
Ipa obviously takes the second round. Now Johnny came back in it, but not enough. Johnny got hurt, and this is where you know they say, "Well, oh, maybe Johnny Ipa came back." Bullshit! Ipa almost had him out of the fight. Yeah, Christ, if that had happened at the end of the round, and that's then you would have all been saying, "Oh, Ipa takes that." course he took the round he hurt johnny eblin he had johnny in trouble so impa takes a second then johnny comes out tough as hell and he absolutely takes the third round and uh he deserved the fight it was a 29 28 a great performance by impa but an even better performance overall by johnny eblin i thought it was a good fight it was probably one of the better fights of the night um, yeah. I looked at it in terms of definitely one of the more competitive. It was fights definitely one of the more competitive fights. I, I think, I think what people want to see is they want to see the guy who is always supposed to be considered the best. Just keep walking through people like Floyd Mayweather did. Yeah. That's not, it, it, that's not reality. Yeah, exactly. The reality is, is this, is that Johnny Eblen traveled all the way halfway across the world on the other side of the, on the other side of the world was there for 10 days, you know, and had an off night and nothing against yeah. Impa. Impa made it an off night though. The way that he had, the way that he was able to make Johnny work for the takedown in that first round, the way he was able to keep getting back up to his feet, the heavy hips he was giving him. Um, I think there was an adrenaline dump uh, for both fighters because Impa looked yeah. good coming in the second, but he started slowing down after that, after he tried to finish Johnny, and Johnny's yep. finished pretty well coming in out of the second round. Yep. So it came down to the third round. Who was going to win the third? And Johnny just had a little bit more pop in his step, had a little bit more pressure. Both fighters, I got to be honest, great fight. Yep. Johnny, I know a lot of people hit me up. Oh, you guys said that Johnny's the best in the world. Look, I still think he's the best in the world. Because when I look at the guys at the top of the, of the UFC or even in Bellator or whatever at 185, <clears throat> I've seen the Johnny Evelyn that beat Fabian Edwards. I've seen the Johnny Evelyn that beat Gegar Mousasi. And I've seen the ones in the UFC here that are at, at 185 pounds. And I I've, know I've the stories between him and Sean Strickland. I still think that he's the best. Now, when you're talking about being the best, no matter where, it doesn't matter what promotion, there's only this difference, this little tiny minute difference between having a good night. That Johnny Evelyn would have lost to the top five guys. Let's just be honest, John. That yeah. Johnny Evelyn that fought the other night, he would have lost to the top yeah. five guys in, in any promotion. Okay? That's right. But the important part is, is that he found a way to win in those rough nights. I've had several of those nights throughout my career. Okay? The Pat Healy fight. I should have, why should have mollywopped Pat Healy? Not anywhere near my <laughs> level. Okay? Did you say mollywopped? Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> but the bottom line is, guys have a different, there's certain guys that have a style that just make it hard for you to get a lot of things done in there and uh you know and then when you travel across the world i'm not trying to use these excuses but i'm trying to say that there are things that you have to really take into consideration you know you talk about the ufc in in mexico city obviously altitude you know then traveling yeah. like it's it's still it there's a lot that goes into it a lot and so you have yeah. to be uh how do you say cognizant of that and so i think that with johnny i think this was a big eye-opening experience but at the end of the day it's about getting the win on the shittiest nights that you have, you know, um, showing up to the gym every day going, man, I don't feel like working out today. And sometimes those are your best days. Sometimes they're the worst days, but getting out of there, realizing that I didn't get cut. I didn't get hurt. Okay. I got my hard training in. I'm good to go. And the nights you have fights like that, 
You got to get in there, find ways to win, get it done, and move on to the next one because the next one's going to be different than this one. So good for him. He's still 15. He's, now he's 15 and 0. The O stayed. Um, great fight, though, by Impa. You got to give this guy credit, man. Confidence was at all time high. He made the weight like a like a true professional, like a pro. He made the weight nope. like a professional, and good on him, man. And he is, John. I never met him before. This guy is amazing. He He's is a such guy. a nice yeah. kid, such yeah. a nice guy, such Quality a nice guy. guy. Yeah. Um, walked around, was respectful to everybody. Didn't matter if you were from Bellator, if you're from the, from uh, PFL, to fighters from all different camps. Great individual, man. Great individual. I actually enjoyed talking with him quite a bit. And uh, he just came up short on the on this end of the stick. Jason Jackson versus Ray Cooper the third. We you know, we talked about this one and it, Ray's got a lot of things going on. <clears throat> He's had some uh family issues and things that have, you know, taken his his uh, attention and his father's attention and everything away from uh yeah, you know, the the cage and stuff. But he came in there and he came in there and you know, I, I looked at it as a big underdog. I looked at this as one of the harder fights for the PFL to win, not based upon Ray Cooper being a, you know, average fighter. He's a great fighter. He's a tough son of a bitch, and he's got power in his hands. But I looked at it and thought he's going to have to land a big shot early in this fight uh, for him to have a chance because as soon as Jason Jackson gets going and starts getting the, the jab going and getting the kicks going, his range is going to be very difficult for Ray Cooper to, to nullify. And uh, he was going to have to get inside that phone booth area to fight, you know, that a nasty, dirty, grimy fight inside. He wasn't able to do that. The leg kick started getting to him. He started taking his base away. And uh, look, Jason Jackson at this point is a menace for a lot of people. And, you know, you can take a look at Jason's record and there was some things said about who he's beaten and who he hasn't. The real question is this, the real statement for me, his true, his true last loss was a loss based upon an ankle injury that started as soon as the fight started, he breaks his ankle. Basically and that was his true last loss. He, yes, he lost to Ed Ruth, but there was a split decision. He actually won the fight. You were Ed Ruth's teammate. Mm -hmm. You would say, he I, I would say he won. He won that fight. He, he won Jason that Jackson should have beaten Ed Ruth. Yeah. So, he has just been on a tear uh, and he's getting better because he has more confidence in his abilities. Now he knows he can wrestle with anyone. He knows his striking is damn good. He knows that once he figures out your range, he's going to start putting shots on you and you better be able to make him have problems early in the fight. That's going to be the key to beating him. And no one has that answer right now. He is one of the best welterweights in the world at this point. And he's a handful for anybody. Yeah, I mean, I like you look at it. How many times? He, I mean, he's outside of the Ed Ruth loss. I mean, he's got what like ten wins in a row or eleven wins in a row. See, three, yeah. four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Um, the difference is, is before he beat Amosov and won the title, all of them, a lot of them were decisions until you got all the way down into his LFA career. All yeah. those were, you know, he beat Jordan Larson uh, back then too. Back in the day, he was LFA, and then he was in Bellator before that, too. But he beat Jordan Larson with a, a TKO. Then he went to LFA twice to stay busy. Uh, had a triangle choke and had a, had a decision, split decision win over uh, Hermeson D'Souza. Loses to Ed Ruth coming back, but then just went on a tear, just beating everybody, but beating him by decision. 
But he yep. knocks out Yaroslav Amosov, who had a record of 27-0, comes in and knocks and basically TKOs uh, Ray Cooper with leg kicks and then finishes him up. I think what I'm, what we're seeing is we're seeing the confidence take over and he understanding how good he is. That's and I exactly think you're going to look it. to see more finishes start to take place um, as you go on. Look, fighters deal with just uh, they're, they're there's just fighters there's, deal with doubt. It's always in their head, John. It's always, always like no matter what, no matter how confident a fighter can be. Like even I, I would say even like Habib. I can't tell you how many times him and I just got done after sparring. We just sit against the wall and and just chatting it up. And he's like, you, could, you think this guy, this guy dangerous here? You think this guy dangerous here? Well, he's not asking those questions because he has the answer. He's wondering like, hey, do I need to work more on this area? You know, like, or you were able to do this to me today. Like my guys, the guy that I have is good at this. Like, should I work more? He would always have questions. Like he was somebody that never had a problem asking questions about, hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Little Umar did the same exact thing. And so I just think that fighters, they constantly have doubt. And I think with Jason Jackson, that doubt is gone now. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll have doubt about some things, but I think he's so confident in his skill level right now that he's just on a, a whole other level. Mm. Yep. Ray Cooper, though, to give him credit, he was a last-minute replacement. Magomed, yep. Magomed Karamov pulled out of the fight. They're saying that he's got some sort of real bad, bad insomnia where he hasn't slept in, like, days. He just can't sleep. It's like this horrible thing. And... <laughs> As Jason Jackson would put it, I wouldn't sleep either if I knew I was fighting me. Uh, or Jason's gonna say, I would have put him to sleep. Yeah, he just <laughs> so um, but I'm looking forward to Jason Jackson and what he's gonna do next and how yep. you know and, and who he's gonna fight next. I'm interested. That's the real question. Yeah, I'm interested to see who he's gonna it fight. It is the next. real question. Good stuff. Next fight. All right, we had Vadim Nemkov taking on Bruno Capaloza. And you know, this is one of those fights, Josh, a lot of people, you know, they, well, Vadim, you know, he's going up to heavyweight and Capelos got fast hands. And I said, Capelos is not faster than Vadim. And he wasn't. Now he does have fast hands. I really like Bruno Capelos as a heavyweight fighter. He's got fast hands, but Vadim is a guy who at this point in his career, there, he's had he's had moments throughout his career where you look and you say he needs to learn this, he needs to learn this, you know. And I can go. He needs to learn how to, he needs to learn how to get in better cardiovascular shape, and he needs to learn how to relax in the fight. He needs to learn how to use his kicks differently in the fight and do that. There's always been that thing, dude. That dude can fight. Mm -hmm. He can fight everywhere. And when he took that fight to the ground, there was no doubt. That fight was not going to end up going another round. He moved on Capaloza any way he wanted, and he just cinched in the arm triangle and put him to sleep. He's a nightmare for people. And, you know, I don't know what they're going to do, you know, and if he's going to be just fighting uh, Bellators or what's going to happen. But put Fadim Nemkov in that tournament. I don't know if he'd want to do it. Because he's already made his million dollars, you know, in, in tournaments and things like that. But that dude is going to be a problem for everyone in the heavyweight division. Yeah, he is. Um, look, I was in Johnny Eblen's corner when they when he fought Impa. I was in um, Ray Cooper's corner when he fought Jason Jackson. I was just listening to the coaching in the corner, and I was in Vadim's corner. And um, I 
people just understanding how Fedor coaches. He loved everything that, that Vadim was doing. He was sticking the jab, stay with the jab. Okay, when you get him to start reacting to the jab, start opening up with the left hook. He started, and then Capaloza started over flinching on things. And that's what opened up the straight right hand after that. He go, it was listening to Fedor coach him. It was like playing a video game. I was just watching him. He was just controlling Vadim the way he wanted by just, yes, more of that. Okay, don't forget your speed. Stay speed. Stay speed. Use your speed more. He, he was, you're faster than him. Okay, now let's go to kicks. It was beautifully executed, and it was like Fedor was just on a, on a hand controller, just controlling everything he did when he said it, when he wanted to get it done, and Vadim did it. The two of them are working they're working perfectly together. It's a, it's a well-oiled machine, as I can see right now. And Capaloza, yeah. he had a moment in one area there where he kind of clipped Vadim in one of the exchanges because I could hear Fedor telling him, don't make it a brawl. We're not brawling. You're better than him. So then right, right, after, right after he told him that, like two exchanges later, he got clipped. And then I think that was a reality. Of like, oh, okay, okay, we can't be doing this. So he went back to doing yeah. what he was doing, got the takedowns and and moved on but uh but yeah man overall good stuff it was a great performance by by vadim i think he should go into the tournament but i think what the problem is you're going to run into for these for all of these fighters coming from bellator they're all on a normal pay scale yeah if you go into the tournament you're not on a normal pay scale you're on a lower pay scale because there's an opportunity to win a million dollars at the end so a lot of these fighters unless they can get paid what they're normally getting paid there's no incentive for them to go to the tournament no, well, and also look at Vadim has been in a tournament and got his normal pay scale plus. Yes, plus the million. So yeah. it's not like he's he's going to sit there and say, I've done this before. Yeah. Why am I going to do it that way? Yep. No, I understand. I'm going to take a step back. So next, it's it's a, it's a tough road. Yoel Romero taking on Thiago Santos. Look at you. <laughs> what do you say about the soldier guy? The guy just keeps on marching on. His leg kicks just ate Santos up. But if you're going to sit there and go, all right, Yoel Romero is going to face Thiago Santos. What's his route to victory? You would have said leg kicks, right? <laughs> Come on, dude. Oh, I mean, I, I, I yeah. said that last week when we had the show. I said he's going to finish. He's going to hurt him a lot with like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> he just he just does his thing, man. And he was very effective with the leg kicks. You know, we've always seen him do that linear kick to the knee. He does that a lot. You know the the but. He hit, he hit the calf, he hit the thigh, he tore up the leg. He made it to where, and I don't know what was going on with Thiago early, but Thiago was very hesitant in the fight. And it was his lack of offense, his own lack of offense, that really put him in the hot seat in this fight. Because it wasn't like Uel is a, is a fast starter. We know he's not. And he won the first round. you know. And then you get into the next one and you go, Thiago, you've got to throw to make you know the judges think that you're gonna you're taking over in this fight and it just never happened yeah when you look at someone like you romero you've when he's standing in front of you john his hands are up high his elbows are tucked there's real no op there's no openings to hit him like you've you've got to try to create those openings and he's made out of steel yeah and so you got to try to create those openings and when you create those openings there's a chance you get knocked out so I understand when I look at him and he puts his, he was oh, on our yeah. flight and um, he's always been the nicest guy, but he was on our flight back from uh, Riyadh to Istanbul on the way home. And um, when he just walks on the plane, you just see everyone look at him like, what the 
he's got on baggy sweats and a baggy sweater, but everyone's just still looking at him like, man, where's this dude's neck? It's just (laughs) ear to shoulder. There's nothing else. But, um, look from Tiago Santos's point of view, when I look at it and the way he tried to approach it and I stand behind Tiago when I was in the corners there and I'm looking, I'm like, there's no openings. You've got to create openings, which means you got to get him to react. You got to take chances. If you get him to react, it's dangerous. So I understand. I, I see it now because I see the two of them face to face, and people show him a lot of respect because there's not they show a lot of respect to Yoel Romero because there's no openings. You've got to create them, and that that can get dangerous. AJ McKee versus Clay Collard. Come on, well. As simple as it gets, you know, we talked about how good Clay is in the stand-up, and he is, and he goes to the body beautifully. But we said that there was one just giant glaring difference in these two fighters was AJ could be in the stand-up with him for a lot of the fight if he wanted. But if once it hit the ground and AJ was in the top position, the fight was going to be over. Yeah. Yeah, I just and AJ doesn't get enough credit for his ground because he's so good on the feet. He's explosive. He does have a lot of openings on the feet, but he can get yep. away with it while he's still young with his athleticism, his speed, his um, reach. He's he's even though he's a 55 pounder now, he's still got a pretty damn big body frame for 55 yeah. uh, at 45, which I think that there's a good chance he goes back to 45. I don't know if it's going to be his next fight, but I think there's a good chance he may enter into the tournament at 145. There's a small chance of that. I think he'll go to 45 for that. Why not do it at 55? I think he'll end up going to 45. That's That would be four times that it. he would have to make weight I get it. at 45. That's not an easy thing for him to do. I think he looks at the guys at the 145-pound division, and not one of them will scratch. They'll, they'll be able to scratch the surface to get to him. Not one. Because Patricio okay, so won't be in there. Um, other- good. I want you to n- name me who in the 155-pound is going to scratch the surface with well, him. Well, well, because I was there this week. You've you've got you've got Shabli, you've got Usman. Well, hold on. I'm not. No, no, I'm no. not saying anyone else from Bellator. No, no, that's who's going into the tournament. Are they? That's going into the, the talk. Yeah. So that's there's okay. there's a lot of stuff coming up. So while yeah. like I get doing it, um, but there's no one at 45. Not even in not even in Bellator that would scratch it. He's just he's just another level right now above a lot of guys. Brendan Brendan Lockname would be the guy that if you're going to look and say. In the stand-up, it's a you know Brendan's got he's mm-hmm. tough as nails. You could go after him if it hit the ground. Big difference again. Yeah, and that's where it's, I mean you saw how fast his he lowered his level and got the takedown, and once it was there, it was all over. Yeah. You know, so he he's there. He 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 knows what he's got to do. Um, yeah. I'm gonna go last guy, Aaron Pico, Henry Corrales. Henry came in on Ooh. ten days' notice. There's a rematch. Henry, Good job on Aaron. Henry, Henry was there to, you know what, go out there and do what he could do, you know, hang, be tough. He wasn't ready for that fight. You could just see, you know, you, you could just see it in the physique compared to what Henry normally comes in at. He just wasn't prepared that way. He, you know, came in to fight. He got paid. Good for him. But Aaron Pico just looked really good, really smart, and uh, didn't take any chances. And when he had the chance to finish it, he did. John, he uh, he did a workout in the back. I was back there. I had, I did a great interview with him right before, uh, right after his workout. Soaking, just super sweaty everywhere, dripping everywhere, breathing heavy. Uh, we didn't use it, but you know more more about that later. But it was a great interview. Um, he was he was uh, he was ready to go. He had a thirty long, a thirty to thirty five minute long workout in the back, 
just dripping sweat, fucking putting the work in. Then he goes out there, just fought so composed, so relaxed. Yeah. He understood what he had to do. Is that, let, let's be honest. This is a kid, excuse me. This is a man who came in as a kid and now has learned as yeah. a man how to fight, how to have a fight IQ, mm -hmm. how to do things the right way. And he's ready to be, you know, he's ready to take on anybody in that weight class. He could be the champion, you know, if they give him the opportunity, he's got as good a chance as anyone of taking that title mm -hmm. from Pitbull. We'll see if it happens. I agree. And I want to give honorable mention to Biagio Ali Walsh. I never met him before. Absolutely. Until this trip. Um, Kid's got a ton of pressure on he's him. He's got a, not just a ton of pressure on him. Look, he, he used to hide his life. His, he used to tell people, or not tell people, I should say, that he was the grandson of Muhammad Ali when he was in high school. I didn't realize he was a baller in football. And he played, he yeah. played football at Bishop Gorman. Bishop Gorman. He was a real yeah. good football player. On top of that, yeah. Yeah, you know, he had some scholarships for football and in different areas and uh, just didn't work out for him, but the kid could ball out. Then he comes, now he's in the sport. His brother's a pro boxer, got an undefeated record as well. I think he's 14 and 0 or 13 and 0, his brother or something, something along those lines. But Biagio, I was really surprised when I met him, how nice, how respectful, how humble, how, how he understands the focus of what he needs to do. He didn't, he looked so relaxed, John. When he was in the back, warming up, going through his routine, I was watching the whole thing. I'm like, this kid's got something. He's not acting yeah. like a a, a, First a up, debuter. It's like the one thing you gotta you gotta understand one thing about him. He's an athlete. He is a good athlete. He is fast. He's got fast hands. He's got fast feet. He moves well. He's got great balance. He's just got to learn how to put it all together, and it, it's going to take him more time because his. The truth is, I'm looking at that, and they're complaining that he's in grappling situations. That's his weakest area. He needs to. He needs to be there in fights. Yeah, I. This is his first pro fight. He's had all. He he lost his first amateur fight, and then he got he got submitted in his first amateur fight and then he goes and he he wins you know the next six or seven of them and but all that is in the past that don't that doesn't mean shit now this is your o and o mm -hmm. and i think the big thing for him was to just get the win and that's what he did yeah. he went out there he performed well you know he dominated his fight and he put it on the ground a lot i have no problem if i'm his coach i'm like good job yeah. i'm proud of you well, we, I talked to him after the fight and the, the conversation we had was, he's like, yeah, you know, I, I needed to, I had to get the takedowns. And he's like, I said, look, this is the opportunity to do all these things because as you get to a higher level, those chances and opportunities aren't going to be there. Take oh, your time harder. and get your cage time right now against all these guys that you should be beating, you know, or the ones that are not on your level because you're such an athlete because you are yep. better than them in certain areas. And he understood, and he was very receptive to the whole thing. Like, look, I really just needed to get some ring time in there. I really needed to to fill out what I could do. I have to work on my grappling. He's telling himself, I have to do it in a fight too, not just always be on my feet. It's like, he understands. It's it's in his yeah. mind. He's like, I got to do it now. And it, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't argue, man. I thought it was a great. I thought yeah. it was a great game plan for him. He did what he had to do. He got the win. Good on him. He got three rounds, first fight in uh, as a pro. Yep. 
He got his he got yeah. his cage time experience, you know, had to get it out a little that's bit. It. Good for him. All right, hey, that's gonna wrap up our Bellator talk. Hope you guys enjoyed that. And uh his PFL talk, PFL. Oh, sorry, Bellator PFL. <laughs> sorry. No, John. No, no, no. We can't say I, I can't say PFL. I've got to say we know who should have been the red corner now, right? Like oh, <laughs> that's that's the company that owns it, man. Well, I mean, all I saw was the Bellator fighters owning the, the PFL fighters. That's wow, all I saw. Wow, wow, wow. Um, you cut me deep, Shrek. Well, I'm going to call cut it now, though. Deep, Here's the thing. Okay. If they it. do this type of thing every year annually, right, this PFL versus Bellator, I'm going to say next year it's going to be pretty much all the Bellator fighters that went into it will be now fighting the Bellator fighters that didn't go into it. <laughs> That's not it's gonna be called PFL versus Bellator, though. But then let's remember where those Bell, where those PFL guys came from. Because if I look at it, right, you've got let's just say Shabli goes into the tournament or Usman goes into the tournament, and then you get into the um, featherweights. If AJ goes into the tournament, if it's like you, I'm sorry, you get into the the seventies. Who's at seventy? Amosov goes into the tournament. If like I'm sorry, like the, Jason Jackson goes into the tournament. If any of those guys go in. They're not going, but they can't. I don't know. I'm not saying yeah. when I say they can't, they can, yeah. but it it would seem odd that Usman or Jason Jackson would be going in the PFL tournament since they're the Bellator champion. Yeah. If you were going to try to run both organizations, and this is part of the problem that you know they're going to be facing. Yeah, they'll have but, to figure all this out. Let's just yeah. say Jason doesn't go. Let's just say Usman doesn't go. But you got Shabli, you got Premise. Brent Premise is already in the tournament, from what I understand. I think, really? think Patriki's um, probably going to go into it as well. What about Tofik? Uh, Tofik is already in the tournament as well. Well, I'll tell you what, they got a hell of a season coming up. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. And you got Lockney, and then you've got but, Clay Collins. Hold on. Like, well, Lockney is 145. Oh, sorry. That's right. That's right. So you got Clay Collard. But Clay Collard. Yeah. yeah. You know? Wow. You got the fights yeah. there, man. You, you got guys that are there that can do it. And so now what you have all Godzi? those fighters that, and then the win. What about Godzi Rabadonov? Oh, yeah. I wonder if he's going to go in that. And then you got Archie Colgan, if he's going to be part of that. Yeah. JJ Wilson. Yeah. Dude, you got, you got, you got guys, man. That's, you got guys. that's funny. That's funny. Interesting. It'd be good. Uh, all right. Well, hey, that's going to wrap up our talk. Make sure you guys go to OnlyFans.com slash Wayne and go to Wayne and Merch.com. Pick us some of our hoodies and sweaters. And want to thank you guys for being patient on the show. Uh, for the drop of the show, I should say. And just a reminder, today, because this will drop uh, Tuesday morning, today, today. Uh, I will be doing 2 p.m. Uh, Central Time on OnlyFans.com slash in. It is free. Head on over there. Join me. I will do in a live chat. I'll be answering all your guys' questions. I'll be on there for a good 30, 40 minutes. And uh, you don't give answer all your guys' questions as much as I can. Guys, hopefully you guys enjoy this show. Thank you guys so much for being patient. And uh, thanks for subscribing to the Wayne In Podcast. And John, take us away. Thank you to everyone for the patience. We're sorry it's late, but my man had to get back. <laughs> and it's a long-ass flight. <laughs> it's good to see you, my man. Too. Everyone else, we will see you.